John chapter 14. I'll try to calm down a little bit. Why am I shouting? I'm excited. I'm not shouting at you. I'm shouting with you. (laughs) Pastor, I'm not shouting. I'm shouting for both of us. Amen. For all of us. But John chapter 14, we actually started here in the first week, right, to lay groundwork for where we were going. And God has us back here today. John chapter 14, verse 6. And so obviously God is trying to show us something through it to give us a revelation about it so that we can walk in it. John chapter 14, verse 6. Now, I was going to just read verses 10 through 14, but I felt like 6 through 10 there was something that we needed to hear because it explains and it gives us context of the reason these things can happen that Jesus tells us can happen but it's all found in what he says 6 through 10 this is where the foundation begins so I backed up to this part and this is what he says right this is Jesus by the way he says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you had known me you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father, and that is enough. Philip's just like us. How many of us are constantly, God, show us one more thing. One more thing, and we'll, we'll surrender everything to you. Just, just one more sign, God. Just one more. Let me throw another fleece out before you. Just, just one more, God. I can sympathize with Philip. Lord, show us the Father, then that will be enough. Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's key. That's key. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? me the words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me catch this word who dwells in me does his works does his works believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me Jesus reiterating this reiterating this trying to get it into our spirits and into our hearts believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else or else. In other words, don't just believe that I'm telling you. Believe in what you see. That's what he said. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is showing you that I am in the Father and the Father's in me through all these works that you've seen me do. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me this way, whoever believes that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, will also do the works that I do. And even greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that, Lord, you would would bind any spirit of offense or any lie of the enemy. We bind it and we loose your perfect peace, your revelation power in this room. 
Lord, I pray right now that you would take us from glory to glory and faith to faith through your word this morning, I pray. Jesus, open our eyes and open our ears and soften our hearts. I pray you would remove the heart of stone and put in us a heart of flesh, pliable into your word. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to believe. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, high five three people, and I want you to tell them this. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. What's happening, CWC? How y'all doing? Are you good? Amen. Well, I know it is so good, man, to be with you guys today. I'm going to set a timer because I'm going to try to stick to it. No promises, though. I'm not promises made, promises kept. I'm just not making a promise. Amen. Anyway, but it's so good to be with you guys today. But I'll tell you what, man, Pastor John did an amazing job last week, an incredible word. Um, I'll tell you, man, Julie and I, we just, we love him and his family, Christine, uh, Liliana, and Josiah. We, we really, really are grateful for them. We've been doing life with one another for a long time. Matter of fact, um, when God called me fully into the ministry, it was while I was in his ministry, a part of his ministry. And so he was like a a father to me, a spiritual father, um, helping me and and walking with me when life was really, really tough. And and, uh, man, he was always for me and constantly encouraging me. And I always will appreciate that of him. And obviously my wife does too. And so, no, but, but he did an incredible, an incredible job. And it's an incredible blessing. It's an incredible blessing when he gets to come in and impart the word of God to us, right? It's an incredible blessing. But I will say this, I'm glad to be with you. So the de facto fact is I'm glad he isn't here and I am, amen. Because if he's here, I'm not. I'm just saying, no. But no, nah, it's so good to, to be feeling good and to be, with you guys this morning. And listen, I, I do have a word for you this morning. I have a word. It's shut up inside of my bones. I've been having a hard time keeping it in, if you couldn't tell, just in the introductories here. But I have a word. Are you guys ready for a word? Yes. Come on, if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Yes. Tell your neighbor, this is my word. Get a little gangster with them. You know what I mean? Like, get a little gangster. Back up. I'm getting it first in Jesus' name. Right? See, the Bible says this, man. It says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This should create a hunger and a desire within us to say, man, Jesus, I'm coming after you. Because how many of you know that, that he is the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. The name by which he is called is the word of God. That's what the Bible says. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when his word is coming forth, Jesus is bringing it. Amen. Amen. So we need to be hungry. So anyway, listen, so I was watching online last week, watching the service from home, and um, the Lord spoke to me very clearly, spoke to me very clearly the title of this message, and this is what it is. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. Say it with me. There's a miracle in your mouth. Tell your neighbor, there's a miracle in your mouth. Listen, we want to get this written. We want to get this written. I say this every week because it's true. It's truer every week. And it will continue to be true. But we want to write his word on the tablets of our hearts, man. 
so that the enemy can't steal it from us. If it's something we just hear, then the enemy can come in in an ear and grab it out. From an earshot away, he can grab it. See, the word of God is the seed. It's a seed planted upon our hearts, right? So if we write on the tablets of our hearts, the enemy ain't gonna steal that. God is protecting it, amen, amen. But God has a, has a word for us today, and he, and he gave me this title, there's a miracle in your mouth. And right after the title came, I began to engage with God about it. Because there's a lot of things that swirl around the, the topic of miracles and healings. There's a, a whole lot of stuff out there that's constantly fighting about this subject, right? Within the church, outside the church. Matter of fact, probably within the church more than outside the church, right? But I start to engage with God about these miracles and, and healings. And listen, what we know this, this is what we do know, that not every miracle is a healing miracle. Not every one, right? There's, there's miracles of multiplication. There's miracles of that. There's miracles where God will take nothing and change it into something. Matter of fact, we talked about that in week two of this series, right? Miracles, God still moves in the modern, right? We talked about that in week two, how he took water and he changed it into wine. He took nothing and made it something. So, so, so not every miracle is a healing miracle. And Jesus performed miracles upon miracles upon miracles while he walked this earth. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, it says this, that if every miracle was written down that Jesus performed, there wouldn't be enough room on this earth. The globe isn't big enough to hold the paper it would take to write them all down. Think about that for a moment. Miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And some of those miracles were in the form of amazing healings. Amazing healings. And we started off this series, right, our series, in the, in the Gospel of Luke. And what we seen there, what we read there, was how every single person with any kind of disease, with various diseases, every single one in Galilee, over 3 million people, every single one of them that were sick that came to Jesus, Jesus healed them. Every one of them. That's, that's what the Bible says. Every single person. These miracles were healing miracles and they were instant. I can snap this one. Last service, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. So I just started clapping instead. I was like, I can't. I feel like I had two left hands up there. Like, anyway, I'm not talking bad about you lefties. I'm just saying for me. But, but they were instantaneously. He prayed for them. They were healed by him. Every single sick person with any kind of disease came to Jesus and was healed by Jesus. This, these miracles happen when he walks into the room. Now, now listen, and I tell you what, man, I've been so blessed and very, very fortunate to be in meetings where Jesus has showed up in this way. Where he showed up with his miracle working power on full display for everyone to see. I've been in meetings where people have come in in a wheelchair. God touch and heal them and they get out of the wheelchair. Incredible. Never been out of the wheelchair in their life. Boom. Jesus shows up, touches them, heal them, they get up. Out of the wheelchair. It's incredible. I've been to meetings where, where people have come in and they're deaf. And God touch and heal them. Matter of fact, I was just at one in Chicago with Mike and Anna Dow. Right, they go up, stick their fingers in the guy's ear, praise, boom, the dude receives his hearing right then. Incredible, incredible, incredible. This is the kind of things that can happen when Jesus shows up in the room. And it's funny because Mike and Anna, right, the burning ones, they'll call me when they get done with these meetings, right? And I appreciate their phone call because they'll call me. And, and what they'll say is, man, it was bananas. That's what Mike always says. 
It was bananas, bro, what God did. Multiple people coming up, getting prayed for, getting out of wheelchairs, and not just walking out with the wheelchair, throwing the wheelchair off the stage. And I'm like, did you have to pray for others that split their head open or what? <laughs> He's like, bro, it was bananas. It was bananas, multiple people getting their hearing, eyesight, right? Give them back to them, never seen in their life, and God touch them and heal them on the spot, instantaneously through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the power of Jesus. As many came to Jesus, was healed by Jesus. And, and to be honest with you, like, I try to surround my, my, myself with people like that, with that type of faith. Because that's the kind of faith that I want to display in my life. That no matter the circumstance where you come up, I've got the faith that Jesus is going to touch you in the moment that we, we ask him to. So I surround myself with people of that type of, of faith. But here's the one thing too I, I realize is not all healings happen instantly. Not all happen instantly. Some happens in a process. There's, there's healing that comes in a process. Matter of fact, I shared with you guys my, my, my story about my knee, right? The ACL story. They prayed for me at church. I couldn't walk when I came into the church. I was sitting down on a, on a, on a stool preaching. They prayed for me. I left still on crutches because it was still really sore. It hurt. I mean, my ACL was gone. By the time that night came around, I was walking up and down the steps, no crutches at all, and didn't know what was happening to me. I was like, holy smoke, this is wild. I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, yep, your ACL's healed. I don't know what you did. Don't know what happened. It's completely healed, dude. No need, no need for surgery. But it was a process. It didn't happen instantly. And we actually see this displayed in the Bible as well, the process of healing. One of the stories are found in 2 Kings chapter 5. It's the story of Naaman. Naaman is an Assyrian commander, right? Well-known, well-known. Well, he comes down with a, a, a skin disease called leprosy. And leprosy was a killer. When you got it, you contracted it, it killed you, period. That's it. No more. You got leprosy. It was a rare skin disease. And Naaman, this, this guy, this powerful man, because Assyrian at the time had the largest army. They had the, the most vast kingdom. They were really wealthy, really rich. And, and he was the commander of that army. And so he had, he had the money to go and get whatever treatments he could get. But none of it worked. None of it worked until he hears one day about a man named Elisha. Not Elijah, Elisha. About this man named Elisha that served the God that could heal, right? That served Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. He heard about this, and so he goes to see Elisha, wanting, wanting Elisha to, to, to lay his hands on him and pray for him and heal him instantly. But it didn't quite go down that way. He shows up, and it's kind of funny, because Elisha actually kind of big-leagued him a little bit. Instead of going out and seeing him, Elisha sends his servant out to him. Now, Naaman came with all of these gifts, a ton of gifts, to give to Elisha, to have Elisha come out and pray for him. Elisha tells his servant, tell him to take all of his gifts with him because the healing of God cannot happen from, from something that man has made. Can't happen because you're gonna pay for it. No, no, no. God is the one that does it. And so he does, he sends him away. And he says this, he says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, Naaman was really upset. He was aggravated. He was frustrated. One, because he didn't come out and pray for him to get his, his healing instantly. 
And two, because he felt like Elisha's just blowing him off. And he's like, wait a minute, I got better rivers than the Jordan River back in Assyria. Like, I'll go there. I'll go there and, and wash it. And finally, his servant's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You would have done anything else if you thought it was greater in your sight to receive your healing. Let's just go wash in the Jordan. So his servant talks sense into him. And they go down to the Jordan River. He dunks one time. Guess what happens? Not a thing. Not a thing happens. He dunks two times. Still nothing. Three times, four times. It wasn't like when he came up off, out of these different times that, oh, there's a little spot on my skin that is healed now. No, no, no. Nothing happened at all. Zero. He comes up out of the water to the sixth time and he's still covered in this disease. But the seventh time, See, the, the healing wasn't instant. It was in a process. He, he went down the seventh time and when he came up, completely clean. Completely, completely healed. Now, what if he had stopped on the fourth time? What if he wouldn't have went down the, the seventh time and he stopped on the sixth time? He would have missed his healing. And it got me thinking, I wonder how many times have I missed my miracle because I've stopped short of what God had called me to do. Because I didn't trust in the process. I didn't keep my faith in the process. I wonder how many times have I missed the, the healing that God has spoken over me through his word. His word speaks healing over our lives. And I wonder how many times because I haven't had faith in the process that I've not received my healing. See, healing sometimes comes in a process, right? As a matter of fact, we see that on another occasion in Jesus' ministry too. With the blind man in Bethsaida. This time, Jesus doesn't spit and make mud. He just spits directly on the guy. Praise the Lord. <laughs> awesome, Jesus. What about Pastor John last week, man? He started hockey and loogieing. I was like, I literally had my gag reflex kick up. I'm like, bro, for real? I won't do that to you. But instead of spitting on the ground and making mud, this time he just spits right on the dude's eyes. <laughs> Rubs his eyes. Says, open your eyes, can you see? The guy's like, eh, sort of. I, I think they're people, but they look like trees walking around me. This is, this is weird. What the heck is happening to me? So in this moment, this man has a choice to make. Trust in the process. Or walk away from Jesus. He could have said, you know what, this is really strange, man. Now not only can I not really see very good, but now I feel like I'm crazy because they look like trees walking around. But no, no, he makes the right choice. He says, now oh, pray for me again. Jesus showing us that sometimes there's a healing in the process. There's healing while you're trusting. And boom, second time, praise, boom. He receives his eyesight, completely healed. We gotta keep the faith during the process. Other times it is instantly. God heals instantly. And no matter how the miracle comes about, it's still a miracle from God. Whether it's instant or it's process. The healing still from Jesus. Nobody else has healing. Jesus has the healing power. He's the healer. No one else. Just him. Just him. And it was funny because as I'm engaging with God on this topic. The Lord spoke to me very, very clearly. I mean, straight at me. A lot of time God speaks at me. He don't speak to me. 
And the reason he speaks at me is because I'm so hard-headed. And he's got to get through this thing, right? I like to say I'm focused and driven. My wife would call me stubborn and hard-headed. I say focused and driven. Tomato, tomato. I'm just saying. But God speaks right at me when he's trying to get my attention. And this is what he said to me. He said, the reason the church isn't experiencing miracles upon miracles is because you're willing to sacrifice the miracle for fear of offense. The reason you're not experiencing, let me say it again, just in case you missed it, miracles upon miracles is because you're willing to sacrifice the miracle in fear of offending someone, in fear of offending. It will offend people for you to say Jesus can heal you. It's offensive. It's offensive. And God took me to Mark chapter 5. Because let me tell you something. When God speaks to me something, i got to be able to find it in Scripture. If I can't find it in Scripture, I promise you I will not bring it from this pulpit. I would never do that. I have to find it. So God, when he speaks, he accompanies it for me with a word. Direct text from the Bible. Because that's our guide. To Jesus, the Bible, it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, his, his, his word, his word. And so anyway, he takes me to Mark chapter five. Now in Mark chapter five, what we find is this little girl is on her deathbed. She's extremely sick. She's dying. And her dad is Jairus and Jairus comes running to Jesus. It rhymed, Jairus and Jesus. He comes running to Jesus and he, and he finds Jesus. He says, listen, I really need you to come to my house and heal my little girl. She's dying. She's sick. Can you please come? And Jesus is like, yeah, sure. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, come on. Walks. He's not scared. He's not in a hurry. Matter of fact, on his way, he heals a few people on the way just because he's Jesus. Right? Wasn't in a hurry, even though the little girl is dying. Ah, we'll get to her. This is the faith that he had. Well, before they get to the house, right, some of the family and the friends come running out to meet them. And they tell J Jairus, they say, whoa, whoa, whoa don't bother the, the teacher any longer. Let the rabbi go because she died. You're too late. You took too long. You, you wasted too much time. You're too late. She's dead. Jesus, hearing this conversation, he's hearing it, overhearing it. He leans into Jairus and he says, hey, hey, don't fear. Just believe. Don't fear. Just have faith. And they walk into the house. When they get into the house where the little girl has just died, everybody is crying and they're wailing and they're mourning, which, by the way, is the proper response. It wasn't like they were doing something wrong at that time. That's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And so they're mourning. That's proper. It's proper to do. But where they really screw it up is when Jesus says to them, he says, hey, why are you crying? The little girl is merely sleeping. She's not dead. Now, see, if they would have believed that Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in him, and they would have believed in the works that they'd already heard of him doing, then when he said that, what they would have heard is, hey, stop crying because you're about to start seeing a miracle is going to happen right now. But because they didn't believe that he was in the Father and the Father was in him, they seen with just regular eyes and they said, you're crazy. They begin laughing and ridiculing and, and jeering at Jesus. And Jesus does something so offensive, incredibly offensive. 
He says, all of you, get out. Every single one of you. Now, this is family, friends of the family, neighbors. They've been there. These are the people who cared about the girl more than anybody. It was these people there. They're with the family to mourn with the family, to be with the family, to love on the family, to sit there and support the family. Jesus looks at all of them and says, get out. Get out. If you don't have the faith it takes, that it's going to take to heal this little girl, go. Imagine if that happened to us. You're talking about getting offended. I would be so offended. I'd be like, what, Jesus? I'm a pastor. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, I think a lot of us would be having a hard, hard time with Jesus. We may not even recognize him when he walked into our own churches. We'd be too offended by him when he would tell you to crucify your flesh. To get out if you don't have the faith that it's going to take, that this little girl is going to need to be raised from the dead. Jesus wasn't willing to sacrifice the miracle for fear of offense. He wasn't willing to do it. A lot of things that Jesus said was offensive. A matter of fact, what I found to be very interesting, when Jesus would draw the largest crowd, it would be the hardest messages he ever preached. Every time. There's not one time that he doesn't have this massive crowd and he preach a really hard word. He was offensive. And he wasn't worried. Matter of fact, the Bible says, Jesus says, I'm not here to unite. I'm here to divide. I've come with the sword to split homes because the very sheer presence of who I am and what I desire and what I, I command from you is offensive to most. That's what he says. So Jesus wasn't willing to sacrifice the miracle for fear of offense. He says, get out. Boom, he walks over and it's hard to say this, this Greek term. It's like talahathakamo or something like that. Talahathakamo. And it means little girl, rise and walk. That's what it means. Little girl, rise and walk. Instantly, the little girl, boom, up, walks out. It's all good. It's all good. And I wonder how many times we have sacrificed the miracles of God for fear of offense. How many times have we been in the workplace? Have we been in the workplace talking with people who need a miracle from God, who need salvation? But because we're, we're too scared to offend them, we don't share with them about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're worried about losing the client. We're worried about losing the job. And so we keep our mouth shut, even though God has put a miracle in your mouth. Because we're afraid to offend instead of speaking about the only one that matters anyway. None of, none of the rest of it matters but him. How many times have we missed the miracle for fear of offending someone. See, we gotta be willing to speak the name of Jesus because there's healing in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. There's joy in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. Everything comes with him, everything. He is the all-sufficient one supplying every single one of your needs according to his riches and glory. If you're willing to speak about him, Believe in him. Call on him. Not be worried about offending people. And I'm not saying that we talk to offend for offense's sake. That's not what I'm saying. But we speak the truth about who he is in love. 
about who he is. You, you know what makes me laugh? So the Lord has got quite the sense of humor. So he speaks to me, right, this, this word, right? You're willing to sacrifice a miracle for fear of offense. He speaks that to me. Now, fast forward a couple days later after I get the word. Now I'm sitting down writing the message. And as I'm writing this message, right, I'm trying to write it every which way without being offensive. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm like, ah, erase that. Ah, that's a little hard. I erase that. Ah, that's a little hard. <laughs> and the Lord's like, there you go again. Sacrificing it for fear of offense. And again, I will never share something to be offensive just to do it because that's not the heart of God. But I do have to share it if he spoke it. And he said to me, I need you to share it because my people need it. They, they need to hear it. And what's so funny, okay, he speaks to me last Sunday about this Sunday to speak this word. And all week long, I had multiple people come to me and ask me this question. Is it always God's will to heal? Multiple people, not just one group of people, multiple. Completely unrelated to one another, by the way. Not in the same group of people. Hilarious. And I'm laughing at God. I'm like, you're, so, you're something else. You're something else. And this is a constant question asked by numerous people. Constantly. Over the past hundreds, if not thousands of years, this is a question that has been asked so many times. Is it God's will to always heal? And I've asked this question, I don't know how many times, a ton. And what I've found through all these years of ministry, right? What I've found is this. We, we ask the question, not because we read in the Bible, not because we open God's word and we see Jesus praying for somebody and saying, if it's God's will, you'll be healed. We don't find that. It's nowhere in the text, I promise. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Rather, what we do is we pull from other sources, right? Which is fine. The Bible is great. It's all approved for teaching and, and correcting and, and leading to Jesus. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. But what we do is, is we pull another one which, where Paul says, I've got a thorn in my flesh and I've prayed three times and God said my grace is sufficient. We assume that it's a physical ailment. Nobody knows, by the way. Nobody. We don't, we don't know what the, the ailment is. Or the verse where he says, this present suffering cannot compare to the glorious worth of knowing you. And we automatically then... Take that as it isn't always God's will to heal. Instead of just reading the life of Jesus, because Jesus is the perfect will of the Father. He's perfect, perfect theology. He said, what you've seen me do, I've only done what I've seen the Father do. He is perfect theology. And so the reason that we ask this question is it always God's will to heal? Is because of our own personal experience. We've prayed for people and the people weren't healed. Or we've been prayed for and we didn't get healed. And so since it didn't work, right? Since it didn't work, then, then it must be that it's not God's will to heal. It's gotta be, because I can't think of anything else. Why wouldn't it work? I mean, what? why wouldn't it work? And years ago, early, early, early in our ministry, right? I would give this, this very answer to people. Ah, I must not, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not God's will. I don't know. And I've seen this devastate so many people. Devastate them. 
Because then all of a sudden the enemy starts to creep in. And starts to, to cause them to start questioning, well, what's wrong with me that God would have the will to heal him but not heal me? What, what's the problem with me? Why ain't I loved by him like, like he loves this other person that got healed but I'm not receiving and it's not his will. What's wrong, with, what's wrong with me? And after I seen this play out in so many people's lives and after I studied the life of Jesus over and over and over, never finding one place where he said, if it's God's will to heal, I'll heal you. No, no, no. He never said that. And after seeing that, what I realized, right, through all the miracles I've witnessed and all the miracles I have not witnessed because I prayed it didn't happen, through, through all of that, I am not willing to make God look less good so that I look more knowledgeable. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to make God look less good as if it wasn't his heel to heal you because he likes you being sick. Not willing to do that. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. God is love and God is good. Not that he does love or is, does good things. The very essence of who he is is good and love. That's who he is. And so the answer to this question, is it God's will to always heal? You pray like it is. You speak like it is. You walk like it is. You believe as if it is. Speak things as though they are, the Bible says. Speak it as if it is. As if you can guarantee it, God wants to heal it. Because I promise you this, anybody that wants to sit there and start from the perception of if it's God's will, then you'll get healed. You're already starting from a place of questioning. You're already there. And I promise you, you show me a ministry that operates that way. I'll show you a ministry that isn't walking in the healing power of Jesus. I promise you, it's not happening. And Bill Johnson in the Bethel movement gets so much slander. And the people slandering them couldn't hold their coattails when it comes to the miracles of God that's walked through their ministry. Thousands of people being healed, raised from the dead. Crazy miracles and signs and wonders are happening through that ministry because they operate from this perspective. Jesus is perfect theology. And if he did it, that shows the will of the Father. He is the invisible God, church, made visible. Perfect. Perfect. We don't have to go outside of him to find out something more to God's will. It was all in him. He reflects the Father he says it. He says it. He says it. And the funny thing is about Jesus, right? He never prayed wimpy or sheep his prayers. Never. Never. He never walked up to somebody that was sick and said, hey, hey, come here. Can I, can I pray for you? And if it's God's will to heal you, he'll heal you. No, no, no. That's not what he did. He walked up. He said, hey, take up your mat and walk. That's all he said. You, you got blind eyes. Now you see. Receive your sight. Stretch out your hand. Boom, instantly healed. This is what he did. He didn't speak wimpily. He didn't pray please. He spoke it as though it was. And we are co-heirs with Christ. Seated in heavenly places with him. That's what the Bible says. He is a, he's someone who sticks closer to us than a brother. We are his co-heirs. Every spiritual blessing is ours. In Christ Jesus, every one of them are yes and amen. That's what the Bible tells me. And I'm not willing to make God look less good so that I look more knowledgeable. 
How can we answer something so concisely and precisely to a question that is so much deeper than any of us have any clue about? The depths of his understanding no man can fathom. No man. That's what the Bible says. And so for us to give these answers just just haphazardly in a way, oh, yeah, it must be God. Man, we're missing, we're missing the point of it. We miss the point of it. If you see Peter and John, same thing. They're walking into the temple. They get held up at the gate called Beautiful. The guy's asking for money. They didn't say, hey, you know what? Instead of giving you money, can I pray for you? That's not what they did. They said, no, silver and gold we have not, but that which we do have, we give to you. See, they understood they had a miracle in their mouth. They said, that which I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Boom, instantly healed in that moment. In that moment. Every sickness, every disease bowed at the name of Jesus. When he laid his hands on people, prayed for them, they were healed instantly. Every single one of them. See, and what I feel like the Lord is trying to do to us, church, is let us understand there's a miracle in our mouths. Because we got a Savior that lives in our heart. We got the healer that makes his dwelling place, not with bricks and mortar, but in men and women. This is what he does, and he promises to do the works. Promises us we'll do the works that he did, and even greater works than these. It's a promise from God. It's a promise from God. It's a promise. And here's what I know about this church in general, right? Specifically, God spoke to many of us and showed us through visions and dreams, through many prophetic words, that this would be a place of miracles, that people will walk in sick and leave healed. And I'm not the only one saying this. I'm talking multiple people, prophetic words and visions and dreams from all across our spectrum. People who we love dearly and trust so deeply with the word of God. That this will be a place of miracles. People will walk in in wheelchairs, but they'll leave pushing their own wheelchair in Jesus' name. They'll walk in deaf and they'll receive their hearing in Jesus' name. Why? So that Jesus receives the glory. Not so CWC can be lifted up, but so his name would be shouted from the rooftops. So it would be proclaimed. And our job is to come and say, we're here for you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. We just want you. That's it. It's just in you. We, we want you to be touched by you, to have your presence flood this place. Because when that happens, a miracle, a miracle can happen now. And we're not going to be willing to sacrifice the miracle for fear of offense. It just isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're going to be bold in our faith. Amen. We're going to pro proclaim healing in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to believe God that every single person we put our hands on is going to be healed. That's where we're going to operate from that perspective every single time. Nothing is too big for my God. Nothing. Nothing. So I like to say it like this. If you've never been in a meeting where miracles started breaking out, keep coming, you'll see them. Keep coming, you'll see them. Jesus is going to, to do these types of miracles. We've seen healings in here on multiple occasions, but it's going to happen a lot, a lot more frequent. This is why God called us in 
to this series, Miracles, God Still Moves in the Modern, to get our hearts in a place to be ready for the miraculous, to say, God, we trust. God, we believe. We believe. See, in our text, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to healing. I am the way to salvation. I'm the way to the Father. It's all found in me. It's all about me. This is what he's saying. And he said, and if you know who I am, you know the Father. And if you believe in me, you also are saying you believe in the Father. And if you don't believe, then just believe on the works that you've seen me do. Believe that way. And this is what he's saying right there. He's saying all the works that I have done, all the things that I have performed to show you the will of the Father. That's what it says. Through this ministry, God is showing you his will through the Son so that the Father may be glorified through the Son. That's what that text means. And I love how he wraps all of this portion of the text up. Again, we've got to understand that we've got to believe first that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And then these things take place. He goes on, he says, truly, truly, I mean, I mean. It is so and it will be. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father is what he says. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father may be glorified through the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And it's funny because he says, when I go to the Father. Well, how many of you know that Jesus is with the Father right now? He's seated at the right hand of glory right now. He's seated with heaven as his throne and the earth as his footstool, that God has given him all dominion and all authority over everything on the earth and everyone on the earth and under the earth and above the earth. It's all his. It's all subject to him. And he says this in Matthew chapter 16. I love this. He says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Jesus trying to give us this revelation that there's a miracle in our mouth that we can bind the attacks of the enemy. We don't have to take it. We don't have to walk through it and just deal with it. No, we bind the sickness. We bind the disease and we lose God's perfect healing, his perfect love, his perfect peace, his perfect grace, his perfect joy. We bind all that the enemy is because Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. So you have the key to bind the enemy. If you would realize you got a miracle in your mouth. If you'd realize there's a miracle in your mouth because there's a savior in your heart. We can walk in this type of authority. Too often we accept things. Too often. And Jesus never desires for us to just accept it and deal with it. See, Proverbs 18 says this, life and death is in the power of the tongue. This is how powerful your words are. What you are speaking over your kids, over your spouses, over yourself, these things are powerful. So if you're not speaking life, shut up. Don't speak nothing at all. Amen. Amen. 
life and death is in the power of the tongue. James chapter four says this, you receive not because you ask not. You're not asking, you're not understanding. You've got a miracle in your mouth. So you're keeping your mouth shut, keeping from me to perform miracles in your life. But here's the million dollar question at the end of all of them. I'll wrap it up right here. Whose fault is it when the miracle doesn't come? That's the million dollar question. Because here's what I know about human beings. What we know about our, as a friend of mine would say, humanness, right, our humanness. This is what I know about us. We compartmentalize everything, everything. And so we've got to place blame somewhere if it isn't happening the way we think it should happen. So we gotta place the blame. So if I pray for somebody and they're not healed, is it my fault because I don't have enough faith to see them healed? Or is it their fault? Is it their fault that they don't get healed? Who's, whose fault is it? Or, or is it God's fault? Or well, it must be God's will that they're not healed, right? We, we always go back to that. But here's the thing, right? So the Bible says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To tell somebody who is sick that they're not having enough faith to be healed, that's pretty stinking condemning in my book. That's pretty condemning. And there's no condemnation. Again, why are we giving such concise answers to questions that are so much deeper than our understanding? We are limited in sight. We are limited in hearing. We're limited. See, how can we understand a full picture of a God who is standing before? Right now, he's standing at your birthplace. Right now, when you were born. And he's standing in the moment that we're in. And he's standing at the very end of our lives right now, seeing everything that we've done and everything we'll ever be. How can we, who are so limited in sight to the here and now, understand that vast of a being? And why the things happen the way they happen? See, God not only sees the here and now, but in his sight line is eternity. He sees everything, knowing what is good and perfect and pleasing. We're so limited in our sight with something so deep that we need the eyes of God to see and understand. Not with our own perception and our own concepts. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And we begin to, to pray and believe, knowing that the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. Not could be, maybe, will be, or someday would be. He took physical stripes on his physical body for our physical healing. That's why he did it. There was no other reason to do it. But for that very thing, the chastisement that was on him brought us peace. He was bruised for our iniquities, crushed for our transgressions. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus is the perfect will of God, church. The perfect will of God was displayed through the Son. Period. We don't have to add anything. We don't have to subtract anything. He's the perfect will of God. He's perfect theology every day of the week. My theology isn't always perfect. Your theology isn't always perfect, I promise. We're people. His theology is always perfect. He never misses the mark, ever. But you know, that's what sin means in the Greek, missing the mark. Jesus has never missed the mark, not once. And because this is true, because he's perfect theology, 
And because we are to be shaped and conformed into his image and into his likeness, that's our, that's our, our mandate, the decree that God has spoken over us to look like the sun, to reflect the sun through our lives. Because that is true, and if we believe that he is in the Father and the Father is in, in him, then we can do the works that he does and even greater works than these will we do. To become full, uh, further clothed, Paul says it this way, not to become less clothed, but to be further clothed in his glory. We need to look more like Jesus. Amen. We need to look more like Jesus in our lives. And I don't know about anyone else, man, but I'll make sure I, I want to press into him so that I look more like him every single day. And that I can believe in him for whatever I'm praying to him about. I can believe it and walk in it because he displayed it. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please. Listen, before we go, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to go back into one more worship song. And we're going to open the altars up. And we're going to believe for healing. We're going to pray for healing. If you want physical healing in your body, we're going to believe right now that God's going to show up and heal you right now. That's what we're going to believe. And where we don't believe God, we pray for you to help our unbelief. But we're going to believe for healing if you need healing. If you don't, praise God. I'm glad you're healthy. Amen. But if you do, we want to take time to pray with you today. So go ahead, Brent.